Welcome back to Off the Rails Podcast. Man, it's been a little while, hasn't it? So for any of you who have been wondering where the podcast has been the past couple weeks, um, sorry about that. Yeah, so two weeks ago, uh, I took off, I took the night off since the Railhawks were playing West Ham United on uh, that Tuesday night. So I decided to fully partake in uh, being, a, I guess, an active participant in, in the stands that game. Uh, definitely enjoyed the game very, very much, but I'll definitely be getting to that uh, pretty pretty shortly. And then last week, uh, I was definitely feeling a little under the weather with some allergies and such. Um, I'll try not to blame it too much on po- Pokemon Go, um, but I will have to admit that's been a little bit uh, hindering show prep. <laughs> but anyways, I was feeling a little under the weather last week, so I don't know if it was allergies or whatever it was. Anyways, I'm glad to be back, very excited to be back. I am going to get a chance to go through some signings that the Redhawks have acquired over the past couple weeks. Um, after that, I want to get a chance to take a look at the NASL. How are we doing with the standings? What teams are moving up and down? And what does it all mean in terms of where teams are at right now and what, what kind of work still needs to be done? Aside from that, we have a couple match, actually two matches to look at this coming week that we'll be discussing. Kind of give you my opinions on what's going to be going on there. Definitely have a little bit of stats to get into in terms of some league leaders and just some of the promising stats that we can currently boast about and wrap up with little, uh, I guess, U.S. Open Cup reminders of what's been going on there as well since another round has been played since the last time that we had this podcast. Okay, well, without further ado, again, uh, this is Off the Rails Podcast brought to you by me, Jason Santiago. You can find the podcast on, uh, let's see, iTunes if you look up Off the Rails Podcast. Make sure you're actually writing podcast when you look it up. You can also find this on SoundCloud when you look up Jason NCSU. You can find it on Twitter. Uh, My handle is at Jason NCSU. And Reddit, which again, my username there is Jason Jason and CSU, just to give it consistent. All right, let's first talk about the signings that we've actually picked up. I know at the very beginning of the season, very exciting, we picked up Matt Fondy. I did talk about that a little bit during our last uh, podcast. So let's talk about the other ones since then. The big one, the big one. I'm going to go ahead and start off with the big one. Omar Bravo. So Mexican Ford, he actually has a pretty good amount of work with Mexican national team. But he, he really made his mark on Chivas Guadalajara of Liga MX. First, let me mention real quick with the Mexico national team. 
he also played with the Olympic um, national team as well. So he played 68 games and scored 17 goals, uh, again, playing at forward there. So not the greatest ratio, but again, a lot of times when you're playing the national team, you're getting a pretty good mix of, of opportunities. You know, a lot of friendlies, you're trying to work out some guys too. But with his actual main club, uh, Chivas Guadalajara, he did play with a couple Liga MX teams throughout his overall 2001 to 2016 playing career. Uh, he even had a short stint with Sporting KC, and I didn't write down the year of that, but with Sporting KC, he did have um, 28 appearances, 9 goals. So again, one goal about every three games or so. Um, not too bad. But with Chivas, this is where he really made his mark. He is an all-time goal scorer for Guadalajara with 132 goals. So definitely a legend uh, in Liga MX and absolutely with Guadalajara. So, I mean, he was playing for their team earlier this year, earlier in 2016, before heading up to the Railhawks. I believe the game before even joining the Railhawks, he actually scored in, in his very last game there. And in case you're wondering, like, Omar Bravo, is he kind of washed up from League MX? Yeah, he's getting a little bit older. He's in his 30s. Um, but one thing to mention is last year in 2015, he did win a Player of the Year award, not from the main league itself. I think it was, like, one of the news channels, um, that one of the main news channels that, that covers... Um, Liga MX, but he did win a Player of the Year award regardless, which, I mean, he definitely shows that he's still a high-quality player. Very excited. Um, when he was announced, it was during the West Ham United game, uh, during halftime. I was hoping to actually see him on the field a little bit. Um, we, it was until, what, Friday that he made his, uh, or this past Friday, that he made his uh, first appearance. So we did have to wait a little bit to actually see him on the field as a productive member. I'll get into my observations with that um, when I talk about the past. Well, when I talk about the standings and how our past couple games have actually gone. So the other signings that we've picked up. If you were not paying attention, this may have flown under the radar a little bit. But Mickey Daly, who played a little bit this past weekend when we played Miami, uh, he is a center back. The reason that Daly is joining the team is because Connor Tobin um, has. Uh, I believe in an eye surgery that he had to go through. And he's still going to be out a little bit. I mean, this is all direct quotes from Colin Clark. Uh, you can check it out on the Relocks main web webpage. Um, but Colin himself said that, you know, with Connor being out a few weeks, we we have Mickey Daly on loan from the USL's Bethlehem Steel for about one month, which hopefully is the amount of time that um, hopefully no longer than that until we see Connor back on the field. Now, Mickey he did play a little bit in North Carolina area when he was in 2013, played for uh, Wilmington Hammerheads, but most of his playing career, college and everything as well, um, was also in, in California where he actually grew up. The most recent signings, I think these were just announced today if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we have Jose Morales and James Moberg, I'm sorry, Moberg, pronounce it right, yeah, both midfielders. Again, another need position because it, according to the team, we've had some injuries recently and some, some guys out. Um, but both Jose Morales and James Moberg, they both made the trip to the uh, match against Ottawa, which will be this Wednesday night, and the plan is to have them still for Edmonton when we play them this coming weekend. So about these guys. So first I'll mention James Moberg. He's another guy who's on loan from a USL team, Real Monarchs. During his time there, again as a midfielder, he only played five games all in sub-capacity. So one of the reasons why I brought him over, he just wasn't really getting that playing time um, so, I mean, it kind of makes you feel, you know, you're not even getting a playing time for USL team. What are you going to be doing for a NASL team? 
but again, it's more of a need thing. And I think Colin uh, had some good things to say about him um, as he was coming over to the team. So hopefully uh, he can be a serviceable role. If anything, add depth in case there's any further injury. Um, so a little bit other history on, on Moberg. He was drafted in the MLS by Vancouver Whitecaps as number 50 overall. And prior to that, he played at the University of Washington. During his time at Washington, he had uh, 69 appearances and 10 goals, 21 assists. So not too bad with stats. Again, not a huge goal scorer, but still a serviceable player at the college level. Definitely worthy of being drafted with, with that kind of stats. Uh, but never didn't really pan out with Vancouver. Uh, went to USL, and again, now he's with us for about a month. I'm sorry, Daly was one with, with, for us, with us for about a month. Um, Moberg, I don't think there was any details regarding the length of their contracts, of, his, of the loan, that is. The last guy to mention is an amateur signing, Jose Morales. He does come to us from our amateur, I'm sorry, our academy squad, the Capital Area Relux Academy. So over his time period with the academy, uh, he had played 36 goal, I'm sorry, 36 games, scoring 11 goals. So not too bad for a midfielder scoring an almost one at out of every three matches. I mean, those are some stats that a lot of forwards wish that they could have. So we'll see. Um, I mean, Colin, again, had a lot of good things to say about uh, what Jose was doing. And Jose even had a chance to play a little bit against West Ham for a few minutes near the end. So we'll see. I look forward to seeing if, uh, just like we brought in with um, Nikki T, which uh, I only call him that because I can't pronounce that last name, and uh, Brian Kelly. Again, a couple of academy guys who worked with us in the spring who on who i think are on to other things nowadays okay so those are our uh, signings uh, that we had recently so let's talk about where we're at uh, standing wise as a reminder in the spring we did finish seventh place so after four games so far this fall we are have i guess slowing showing slight improvement um, having uh, moved up to sixth place over that time period, we've picked up uh, seven points, which is going to consist of two wins, one draw, and one loss. So the loss that we had was a pretty understandable loss. We did lose, we got destroyed by Minnesota United. Um, the wins that we had uh, picked up uh, were definitely exciting wins. Uh, we had beaten Tampa Bay, and we had beaten, um, shoot, I have to, to double-check on that, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yes, Fort Lauderdale. And uh, aside from those two wins, we had a dr that draw, that 3-3 draw this past weekend against Miami. So a couple observations there. It was really nice seeing that we picked up a win against Fort Lauderdale on the road. I think the team looked quite strong. Um, I think the biggest hope that we have right now that was really lacking in the spring, after starting off so strong in the spring, thinking that, oh my gosh, we have this really awesome defense. We're going to have this great uh, offense that we put together because, I mean, over the first four games, we were offensive juggernauts, and then that's it. That's like literally all that happened in the spring. All the rest of this spring was pretty much a wash. It was just us crashing down the table, picked up a couple draws, but outside of that, it was loss, 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 loss. So it's a nice seeing that we're getting back to some winning ways uh, with two wins, drawing a loss. Um, but I think the biggest change is that now we have an offensive presence between Matt Fondi and hopefully Omar Bravo too. Um, and Shriver's getting back in the mix, scoring some goals again. And I think it's help helpful that we're not playing the lone forward anymore. Now we are playing with a two forward uh, lineup. And I think it's helping to take some pressure off of Shriver. Shriver's something off, uh, to play off of. And Shriver's scoring goals. He's scoring goals. Um, and it's nice to see Matt Fondi scoring a couple goals and being a very, even if he's not scoring goals, he's definitely a presence, uh, creating opportunities for others. 
Um, I mean, just for example, that West Ham match, uh, even though he didn't score, he uh, he was able to draw or force a, a PK to take place after a West Ham handball, uh, which Ceballos ended up putting home uh, for the game-tying goal. Let me get to that West Ham game a little bit more. I'm kind of telling me eager to talk about that. It was a fun game. Uh, but anyways, this fall season so far, I think the what we can really look at is the quality of our uh, attack has definitely improved over the back end of the spring. Uh, defense is still a little bit shaky. I know we're dealing with some injuries. Tobin's out. Uh, we have um, we have James uh, Marcelin back, so he's been kind of floating between that midfield defensive role, just you know, really whatever wherever we need him. Um, but I, I think that the team looks pretty complete right now. It was a little bit of a bummer, only drawing 3-3 versus Miami. But as most of us saw, for those of us who had the game, a little bit shaky uh, calls. Um, arguably, again, I personally don't feel like I got a good look on it, but many were arguing that two out of three goals, um, Miami was offside. So take that for what it's worth. Again, I don't feel like I got a clear look at it, um, so I can't personally say that it was or was not. Um, but at least the mumblings of others uh, were definitely feeling that two out of those three were clearly offsides, and they were pretty cheeky with uh, with um, one of the goals that they had as well, just catching us with our pants down. Uh, they had a, a set piece that, I mean, they didn't really play the ball into the box or anything. They just they had a, a guy that was kind of drifting away from a defender. No one marked him, and just he was basically a wide-open um, opportunity uh, that he was able to get. So, I mean, give Miami credit for playing a heck of a game, um, taking advantage of opportunities, but I still feel like we were the better team. Um, it was a pretty sparse crowd this past game that when we played Miami, but definitely we gave a lot of heart. Um, it was a Friday night, so I know there's some, always going to be some challenges trying to make it to games um, after work. But it was nice to see that there was some residual effects of the West Ham match that happened just a week prior because we even had a, a small group of West Ham, or not so necessarily West Ham fans, but um, EPL fans that uh, had joined us. Uh, in the supporter section, and they shared some songs with us. So again, shout out to those guys for joining us, and hopefully we can see those guys again at more matches. If it wasn't a Friday night match, if it was a traditional Saturday, I'm sure the attendance would have been much better. But um, we have a couple uh, of away games. This we have two away games this week. I'm already very excited to get back home, especially on a Saturday um, match, just to see you know the real effects of what West Ham may have done for us in terms of fan, fan attendance. So, again, the past couple of matches, again, we had that 3-3 draw against Miami. We picked up a win against Fort Lauderdale. Um, we had picked up a win against Tampa, um, and we did lose against uh, Minnesota. Those are our four games so far this fall. Um, so what does it mean? So in the fall, again, we are still in uh, sixth place, but what are the overall standings? Well, currently in the fall, Indy is still freaking in first place, just like New York being uh, well, technically tied with them in points for first place so nothing really has changed there both indy and new york are first place teams just like they were in the spring we're running down the table again indian new york at 10 points minnesota has nine okc who's made a really big move okc who finished eighth in the spring but they're up to fourth right now in the fall edmonton has taken a little bit of a slide they're in fifth actually tied with the railhawks um for fifth place in uh, in points in fall and then falling behind Edmonton and Railhawks at seven points is Miami and Tampa at five points, Puerto Rico at um, also at five points, and Puerto Rico they're the team that's brand new to the league. It's been fun to see that they actually picked up their first win. They ended up beating OKC this past week. 
Jacksonville has four points, Ottawa three, Fort Lauderdale has one. And those of you who are interested, Jacksonville still has not won on the road. You know what? I think that might change this week. We'll get to that. Okay, so that's where the fall is standing. But honestly, just like the spring, it doesn't matter too much unless you're really gunning for finishing first. Obviously, everybody wants to finish first. But in order to make the playoffs, it's the winner of the spring, so it's already locked that it's Indy. The winner of the fall, which is currently Indy, but Indy also has a game in hand. Um, I'm sorry, no, the other way around. Indy and New York have both played one game more than Minnesota, but are only one point ahead of Minnesota. So, I mean, if Minnesota wins, even if they draw, they're going to be right there for a tie, potentially winning. I say potentially winning fall. There's still so much left to go. There's 20 games, I'm sorry, 22 games um, this fall, and we're only four to five games in. Redhawks, we are one of the teams that have played four, so we do have that game in hand um, over a number of teams. Well, six out of the 12 teams have uh, played one game less. So in case you're curious, the teams that have played that fifth game, Indy, New York, and OKC, um, who are all, what, four, uh, three out of the top four teams, and, and three out of the bottom four have also played uh, five between Puerto Rico, Jacksonville, and Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So what this really means for the playoffs is, again, the first place spring team, first place fall team, and the next two best teams in the combo standings. So what are those combo standings right now? So the combo standings, you probably could have done the easy math on this already, but Indy is still in first. They won the spring. They're in first for the fall. So yeah, it makes sense. Um, but they're tied with New York in points at 28. So in third in the combo standings is right now is uh, Minnesota, who are three points behind with um, 25 points. Uh, Edmonton, they're sitting there with uh, with uh, 24 points. So if you can kind of compare like what's happened between the spring moving to the combo standings, Indy's exactly where they were, New York's exactly where they were, Minnesota and Edmonton in flip-flop positions, so Minnesota went up a spot, Edmonton went down a spot. So that currently would be your playoffs, so right knocking on the door. So again, Edmonton being that fourth playoff, playoff team, you need to pass them in points. They have 24 points, so right behind them is tied Tampa Bay and Carolina Redhawks. So Tampa... They already were in fifth in the spring, so they're right in the same exact spot. But our Railhawks, we actually have moved up one spot since we were in seventh before. The combo standings has us in sixth. Um, but we're only one win away. We're one win away. And we're playing Edmonton. So, I mean, this is a very important match where if Edmonton beats us, shoot, I mean, we're going to have a pretty big hole of trying to get back to the potential playoff contention. But with the win over Edmonton, we would have an opportunity to... If everything else shakes out right, could potentially be the, a fourth place team in the combo standings. Kind of depends on what happens with Tampa too, but Tampa has a uh, pretty tough match this coming week. So behind us, uh, so in seventh place, at 20 points, so only one point behind our, our Redhawks, is OKC, who's really been storming up the table. Now Tampa plays OKC, so we're kind of sandwiched between two teams that are going to play each other. All the more reason why we really need to win, because if there's actually a win between Tampa or OKC, um, that's going to be another team that we're going to be chasing if we don't um, actually come up with an actual win uh, against Edmonton. I suppose maybe a best-case scenario, um, a best-worst-case scenario is that if we do at least draw with Edmonton, we'd be hoping for a, a 
a Rowdies and OKC uh, draw as well, because that would at least keep kind of everything the same. They literally would keep everything everything the same. Uh, so then behind that is the big team that's fallen uh, in eighth place is Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Again, Fort Lauderdale, they're last in the fall after finishing sixth in the spring. So the Strikers, they've dropped two spots. They only have 16 points on the table. They've been a hot mess. They're kind of have a fire sale right now going on too. They've gotten rid of PC, and they sent PC off to Tampa Bay. I mean, um, PC, he's been one of the better goal scorers in the league uh, last year and then this year, and he's a heck of an offensive threat. And sending him off to Tampa Bay, who already picked up Joe Cole, they already have Heinemann. Um, technically, they have Freddie Adu, even though he barely plays. Um, I mean, they're becoming a very offensively dangerous team. Um, <laughs> for any of you who may have missed it, um, look up Tampa Bay in their uh, recent PR uh, stunt that they did. Um, they had some complaints about their refereeing in their match first, the Cosmos, when they drew 2-2. Their, uh, I think it was their president or so. I think it was the president. Um, don't quote me on that. But, uh, yeah, they, they released a not just a c- complaint video of bad calls, but a mixtape of bad calls. Definitely worth the watch. Kind of, kind of a Bush League move, in my opinion. I mean, it's, who does that? I mean, honestly, who does that? I understand you're frustrated. Every single team gets frustrated with with uh, lousy calls. I mean, every team could probably make a mixtape of um, horrible calls, missed calls. You have so many calls being made in a short period of time and only just a few eyeballs that actually can make decisions um, watching it. Mistakes are going to happen. Unfortunately, sometimes mistakes are amplified in unopportune moments. It's how it goes. I mean, law of averages, you're going to get as many calls as as uh, those went, that went against you. So Tampa kind of was kind of silly to see it, but to each their own, whatever. Um, all right, so in ninth place, still in ninth place, is Ottawa at 12 points. And slightly moving up, catching up with them a little bit, is Miami. Miami's up to 12 points as well. Um, so they did move up one spot because they had flip-flopped with uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they're down one spot compared to the spring. Um, Jacksonville has that 11 points. And last... Last place is our uh, friends. Um, it's kind of what our fifty-first state, Puerto Rico. Can we call them that? Sure. Um, so Puerto Rico, obviously, they've played substantially. They played what a whole spring season, less games than the rest of the league. So they are going to be doomed to be in last place overall. Uh, I say that they're only they've already acquired almost half the points that Jacksonville has. Uh, with Jacksonville having 11, Puerto Rico having 5, despite playing a whole half season less. Um, yeah, we'll see if Puerto Rico is able to jump any teams. It's pretty much going to be, I mean, it would be, just, I don't know, we don't have pro- promotion relegation, but shoot, if a team that plays half the games as you actually jumps you, um, I don't know how much of you, how much, I don't know how much you deserve to <laughs> to actually be in a, in a competitive league. Anyways, um, so that's where the standings are at, so... Again, we have more work to be done. There's still a lot of games ahead of us, so no reason to panic, no, no reason to really feel like we have to force issues. Just get results. More important than anything else, take care of business at home. What I mean by that is don't lose at home. Absolutely don't lose at home um, if you want to be competitive in this league. Worst case of draw, it happened. It happened to us. Really need to start getting home wins, but you need, if you can't be consistent at home, please start trying to find some consistency on the road. Um, so this coming, oh, I misquoted early. I know I said that we're playing Edmonton. We are playing Edmonton coming up, but Sunday, Sunday, yeah. I want to go over this week's match because this Wednesday we play Ottawa. 
again that Sunday game is against the one against Edmonton okay so let's take a look at Wednesday then we'll take a look at Saturday action and then Sunday so this Wednesday this Wednesday we have our Railhawks traveling to Ottawa again we have a lot of our new guys I think all of our new guys making that trip uh, a couple things to mention about Ottawa and if you can recall earlier I mentioned that in the fall they are in 11th place uh, so second to last in the overall combined standings, they're in ninth place, so very low on the table. Looking at what Ottawa's actually done this year, they've only, I think if I saw this correctly, they've only picked up three wins. If you don't count their Voyager's Cup, which is like the Canadian version of the U.S. Open Cup, um, if you don't count those games, Ottawa only has three wins this year, twice against Jacksonville, once against Miami. Prior to this past week where they actually beat Jacksonville, they actually had a six-game winless streak going on, which includes you know, I mean, a pretty equal dose of home and away games. So you can't really blame it on that. Um, Ottawa, they, uh, they suck. So that's, that's, that's the only way I'm going to put it. They're not very good. So our Red Hawks, are showing the improvement that we have. Um, I really would like to see us walk away with some points. It would be another lost opportunity, which we had to swallow a lot of lost opportunities in the second half of the spring. Uh, we have... We have yeah, it's always going to suck looking back on this past spring, knowing that we were multiple games up on second place, on second place, uh, and for all that to go away. We spent half the season, uh, over half the season in first, I believe. Um, anyways, so other games Wednesday, Edmonton, they're going to be hosting New York. Now, you normally like, all right, yeah, Edmonton, a team that we need to jump, play in New York. Yeah, good luck. New York's going to crush you. Well, New York only has one win on the road all season, and that's every time they've gone to play at Miami. <laughs> so that Miami's been their whipping post. Um, Edmonton, they've been really strong at home. New York, they've sucked on, on the road. So don't be surprised if Edmonton gets at least a point out of this match. Now, quality of team-wise, yes, you expect New York. But just looking at the actual production, New York struggled on the road. Edmonton's been strong at home. So take that for what it's worth. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a low-scoring draw. Like a zero zero or one one. All right. So then the last um, match on Wednesday is going to be a really fun one. OKC, who is going to be hosting Tampa Bay. Now OKC, they can they could not get out of the way at home, doing terrible at home all spring season. But they were amazing on the road. Come this fall, they've actually turned it around. They're actually much more consistent now at home. I know they did lose on the road this past week against Puerto Rico, um, but aside from that. They've been playing much better. And, I mean, the fact that they're in fourth place in the fall is not a mistake. We've seen their quality. It just took time for them to click over the spring, and I think they're finally at that point where they're clicking. Unfortunately, it's going to be a juggernaut match for them playing Tampa Bay. I've already talked to the uh, acquisitions that Tampa Bay has acquired. Um, yeah, acquisitions they've acquired. Great, great sentence structure, Jason. Um, it's going to be a hell of a match. I mean, outside of the Relics match that I definitely want to see, I'm going to be keeping an eye on this OKC-Tampa Bay match because, I mean, these are two teams that could easily be trying to fight it out for a, uh, a playoff spot. They're both right there in the middle of the table. Only one point separates them in the combo standings. Both teams are going to be absolutely wanting that win. I mean, especially Tampa Bay wanting to prove that their acquisitions are going to be paying off. And OKC, because they're at home and they're actually climbing the table pretty substantially. We'll see what happens there. I'm Personally, I kind of feel that OKC is in a groove right now, and they'll 
probably I'd be surprised if they win by more than one goal. I'll say that. I don't know what the score is going to be, but I see, I'd be surprised if OKC wins by more than one goal. Um, but that's the way I, I my gut tells me that, that this might be turning out, just based off of tr- recent trends. Okay, so then Saturday matches. We are not playing Saturday, but I'll still let you know who is, um, simply because we are going to be playing Sunday. So on Saturday, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, who's last in the fall, doing a fire sale, moving to a new stadium, they're hosting Jacksonville Armada. This means this might be Jacksonville's best opportunity in franchise history to win a damn road game. (laughs) Please, for the sake of Jacksonville Armada fans... Uh, Logie, I'm talking to you. I know you don't listen to the podcast, but I'm sure you don't. Um, but one of my fellow uh, Total NASL friends, uh, big Jacksonville Armada supporter, you always see him. If you ever watch any Jacksonville games, you'll always see him in the crowd. He gets he gets one of the guys getting the, the crowd riled up. Um, anyways, this is Jacksonville's opportunity to win on the road. Will it finally happen? We'll see. Um, we also have Otto, who's going to be playing Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay loses against OKC, well, no matter what, but especially if they lose against OKC, they're going to be pissed. They're going to want to actually, I mean, they're, they're going to want to be able to have a big comeback. Ottawa, you're probably going to be their roadkill. I'm sorry. I know Ottawa, you're having a very short week. Um, having to play Wednesday, uh, moving that to uh, then playing against Saturday. Even though both games are at home and Tampa Bay is having to do two away trips in a, in a row, um, I think that's a very short turnaround. Well, for both teams. I know Tampa's one having to do all the traveling, um, but I think Tampa Bay clearly has the talent on their side. The only reason I could see Ottawa having some sort of shot is the fact that both teams are playing a short week and Tampa's the one having to do travel in two games in a short week, where Ottawa is staying at home in two games in a short week. Okay. Uh, New York City, they're going to be um, hosting Puerto Rico FC, the first time playing them. Um, New York City's playing at home. We all know what they do at home. They're undefeated. They're probably going to win, and not even by a little. All right, Miami. I'm sorry, not Miami. Yeah, Miami FC. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not looking at my notes right. Is it Miami? <sighs> I need to take a look back at my notes um, of who's playing who. While I'm looking that back up, let me um, go back. Let me go up to the Sunday match. Our Red Hawks are going to be traveling to F- FC Edmonton. The last time we played Edmonton, very frustrating game. Very frustrating game. Oh, my gosh. Um, we were playing neck and neck. It was horrible weather, pouring down raining the whole time. Um, nothing was happening. Neither team could control. Very windy. The ball was going everywhere. Um, I mean, by, by obviously, well, it's moving around the field, but I mean, the wind was taking it. Nobody could put any sort of touch on the ball whatsoever. Everybody was overplaying uh, their man whenever playing long. Why teams kept trying to play long, who knows? But I mean, it was just a mess, ugly, ugly, ugly game. Um, and it finished very ugly for our Railhawks. Obviously, Edmonton, it, that's the game that actually moved Edmonton in first place for a hot second until the very next day when New York won a match. Um, but it actually moved Edmonton in the first place from a late game, I think 80-something minute or so, peaky that they had. Uh, <laughs> Connor Tobin may have given, uh, I think it was Matt Watson, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't remember. Um, a pretty hard tackle in the box during a corner kick. Um yeah, and they were awarded PK, and they they got their PK. That's, uh, that's what happens. Um, I, I believe that was uh, Sammy. Um, Sammy the, the jock. I I watched his uh, his clip earlier today again for like the hundredth time of his own goal where he was. Uh, this is Sammy for um, Sammy the jock for uh, um, for Minnesota. 
uh, he had a, a friendly match that he was playing in. I'm sorry for going on a tangent, but it's still funny to mention. If you YouTube it, um, Minnesota's match against Bournemouth, um, they had um, Sam was, was just throwing the ball out of the box. I mean, he had the ball in his hands, throwing it out of the box. Uh, how he actually accidentally threw it behind him, I mean, I've watched the clip about, like I said, 10, 20, 100 times. Uh, I still don't believe how that how physically that actually happens, but somehow he threw the ball behind him for an own goal. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but hilarious nonetheless. Anyways, um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, I was looking up the uh, the matches, nasl.com. Get back to schedule. See, the issue that I have here is that I labeled uh, Miami FC twice. When obviously one of those was definitely supposed to be Minnesota. So, my B. Uh, okay. I would sing your Real Hawks song right now, but I know not everybody listening is an actual Real Hawks fan. All right. Uh, there we go. Okay, so Miami is hosting Indy. So, that's not Minnesota. So, Indy, you're probably going to destroy him. Uh, just because that's what you guys are doing this year. I only have one loss in the whole season so far. So be who you are and beat Miami, I guess. Not that I want you to, but it's going to probably happen. So then the big match. The big match that on Saturday I feel like it should be must-watch must, must watch TV. It will be on ESPN3. Um, is Ray OKC hosting Minnesota. So if Rayo can pick up that win against Tampa and really vault themselves up the, the table, they're going to be knocking on the door to potentially surpass Minnesota. I mean, if they actually beat Minnesota that game as well they might have the opportunity i mean if okc if they win versus tampa bay and beat minnesota they would jump minnesota in points so that would, that's going to be a very important game for okc to really show do they want to be contenders right now or are they still going to be more of a mid-table team um, kind of clawing away for their at the rest of the season we'll see all right well that does it for this coming um, matches. So just to kind of conclude, let me go through some stats a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep a, I keep work, walk, working around it. Um, before we do stats, let me uh, share a few words about the West Ham game. Um, it was a 2-2 match. We had a little over 10,000 fans at the stadium, a full sellout. It was beautiful. Um, and it was honestly about 50-50, maybe... Maybe 55-45 with, uh, with the split of fans, West Ham fans and Real Hawks fans. Or I should say just fans of soccer. Um, I feel like maybe true, genuine Real Hawks fans, maybe in about maybe 40% of the crowd at best, maybe about 35. I think you just had a lot of fans of soccer that just wanted to be there and enjoy the experience. I saw a lot of first-timers. Um, I saw some um, families that I work with in my, uh, in my day job. Um, I even saw a high school friend I haven't seen well since high school uh, walking around in the crowd. I mean, it's we had a lot, it was great. It was a great showcase, and the fact that it was a two-two draw it was awesome. The only um, the only negative side is unfortunately it did rain. Have about a half hour rain delay, so a lot of fans were chased off because of the rain delay and missed and missed our opportunity to actually tie the game. We did go up one nothing to start off the game. Then West Ham, they were West Ham, and they were exactly who we thought they were. Then uh, they kind of trounced us for a little bit, went up two to one. Um, but Ceballos was able to put home that PK to uh, send everyone home happy on, on every front with a two-two uh, draw. Okay, so then stats. So we'll do stats, and then we'll do U.S. Open Cup, and then we'll be done because this is already kind of running uh, pretty close to about that length that I want for that podcast. All right. 
So the stats to mention is Naz Abudawi, he's still sitting number one in all, in all of NASL and assists at six. So great job, Naz. I know he's one of our guys who's kind of banged up right now. He had to leave early in this past match against Miami. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if he made the trip, uh, but Naz, uh, hopefully he's feeling um, better. And if he's not playing this uh, coming um, road game, uh, hopefully he gets back soon. And uh, the, probably the stat that surprised me more than anything else was that the fact that Shriver is actually, you, I would have not have believed it if I literally didn't look this up, um, you know, right before I started this podcast. But Shriver is currently tied for fourth place in goals at five goals. So yeah, <laughs> I've, if you had to, yeah, I would have never guessed that. I would even guess he would have been number one on the, on the team. Um, I mean, I, it doesn't. I mean, looking back at the actual games, I would, would think about it and it would, it would come to you. Um, but, I mean, some of Shriver's goals, two of his goals, I believe, were actually PKs. Uh, another big goal for an individual player, Naz Abeldawi. He's currently still, and he's been pretty much at this point all season, but number one in creating chances, scoring chances at 28 um, over the course of the season. Some team stats to brag about is the team is actually currently fourth overall in all of NASL in goals scored. Great, at 20 goals. Good job, boys. Only problem is that we're actually last place with goals allowed. We've allowed 22 goals, so yes, that's negative two. We've allowed the more goals than anyone else, any other team in NASL. So I know it's all about you know what's what's wrong with our attack, where's our where's our scoring opportunities, but our defense is uh, suffering because of our lack of uh, scoring threats, and teams not really giving us too much respect and playing on our back foot, not controlling the, the match nearly as much. Uh, so I don't know if it's necessarily a defensive problem. It's just we didn't have a balanced game, um, big time. Uh, so then the last thing to mention that's a good good team stat is we have been playing as the most disciplined team. And I mark that as having the least number of combined cards. We've only had 20 yellows and one red. I say only 20 yellows. I mean, look at the rest of the league. Most of the league is in the mid to upper 20s. It's a couple teams even in the 30s. Um, with yellow cards and the fact we only have one red great i know there's a couple teams with no with none uh, but some teams have actually been racking that up pretty much um so the fact that we're last with discipline i don't include puerto rico just because they've had a shortened season but with that said again we've picked up 11 yellows i'm sorry i've already spoiled it we picked up 20 yellows so far after what a season plus four games spring season plus four games um puerto rico they've only played uh what Five games in their existence compared to our what 14 and Puerto Rico already already has 11 yellows so they're going to probably be one of those teams at the end of the year that's definitely going to be a top half um card team so not not a good start in terms of discipline for those guys uh so enjoy it while it lasts Puerto Rico while technically being um the team with the least amount of yellows I don't see that happen I don't see that sticking um even mid fall season um, i definitely feel at that point they'll be passing some teams all right we'll close out then with uh mentioning what's gone on in the u.s open cup it's official no more nasl teams are still in it um the match there was uh, the quarterfinals um where the new england revolution in penalty kicks beat philadelphia union it was 1-1 regulation but revs beat union 4-2 in in pks Next up was Chicago Fire beating Fort Lauderdale Strikers 3-0, so not even close. So NASL, you're out. Um, Houston Dynamo, they were the only team to lose at home. Um, they lost to FC Dallas, a nice little in-state matchup. But FC Dallas, it was close. Only FC Dallas only won 1-0. LA Galaxy, 
you know, I feel like you're only making this big run because you didn't have to play Avril Hawks, just to be honest. But LA Galaxy, they beat Seattle Sounders 4-2. And they're all, all those winners are moving on. So now we have the semifinals. The semifinals will be played August 9th and 10th. On the 9th, we'll have New England Revolution playing Chicago Fire, hosting Chicago Fire, that is, and LA Galaxy hosting FC Dallas. Now, what's the whole implication as a quick reminder? The winner of the U.S. Open Cup is an automatic qualifier for the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, so it's the only way an NASL team or any other lower division team can, can possibly make, make the Champions League. Um, the only other way to get in Champions League um, is to actually win the MLS or um, be a top MLS or a Canadian team. Because uh, I think I think the Voyager Cup gets an in um, with it as well. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, again, sorry for having a delay and getting back um, after what two weeks off there, uh, but we're back in the groove of things. I'll uh, I'll put down my, my Pokemon Go for Tuesday nights, I guess. Um, yeah. All right, I can live with that. Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone have a good night. Enjoy all the matches Wednesday as well as Saturday and Sunday. So we have a big, big week. Um, pretty much this whole uh, fall season, we're going to be seeing matches uh, midweek and weekends. So it's going to be a pretty busy, uh, pretty busy time. Everyone enjoy it and take care. Have a good night.